Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like? Then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. Dear Warriors, as you are navigating the field of anesthesia, you're going to encounter some landmines. Landmines known as racial discrimination, gender discrimination. And it shows up in anesthesia. As much as we push for, celebrate diversity within medicine, we have to contend with the reality that it is a white male-dominated field, which is going to inject additional challenges and obstacles your way. Here are five ways, five landmines that had shown up for me. You can call them shadiness, obstacles, moments where it's like they got me messed up up in here, right? I've only known life as a Black woman. I can't say if it's because I'm a woman, because I'm Black, because I'm both. But here are the ways that it shows up. Way number one, OR assignments. We get what our assignments are, usually the afternoon before the case the next day. And when you're a trainee, you have to keep track of what you're exposed to for ACGME. So it's pretty easy to catch if you're doing the same kind of cases regularly because you have a log that tells you you're deficient in these cases because you've done so many of these same cases. However, when you become an attending, there's no law kept. It is easy to do the same cases day in and day out unless you say something. And for myself and many colleagues, I've found that their proportion of remote cases, such as interventional radiology, GI, MRI, they find themselves assigned these rooms a lot more frequently than their peers. You know, we've we've been trained in the main OR. You know, we know the people, we know the pace, we know the nuances and quirks of it. When you go offsite, you have to be careful because those drugs, they might not have been pulled for a while and may be expired. The machines, some of which may not have been maintained as frequently. And so your vigilance has to be high as to how to troubleshoot issues that come up in those cases. If you find that you have been assigned these rooms too often, I would strongly encourage for you to take that step and be proactive. Look at the cases that are coming down the pike in the days and weeks to come and express to the board runner cases that you want. Usually that person welcomes having one less decision to make. They might not realize that you've been assigned remote cases a bunch. Being proactive will also give you a greater deal of satisfaction because now you actually have some autonomy as to what you will experience in your day. 
be proactive and express what you want in your experience for your day. Number two, bad things are going to happen in the operating room. It's not a matter of if, but when. And the running joke is that anesthesiologists get blamed for everything. And as true as that is, there are some days and some cases where it's incredibly inappropriate. We're already beating ourselves up for the airway that we didn't get as quickly as we wanted or the line that we couldn't place as fast as we wanted or the the code that occurred that blindsided everyone. We don't need the other members of the operating room team. We don't need them jumping into the fight of also beating us up too. To minimize this no grace for mistakes made, If you anticipate a patient is going to be a challenge for whatever reason, don't shoulder that burden all by yourself. Let the circulating nurse in that room know before the case starts, this is what I'm concerned about with this patient. And here is how you can help. By doing that, now we have shared responsibility. That's what teamwork is called. And that person may be very happy that now they have a role to play in making this patient's perioperative care a little better. Let the surgeon know what your concerns are. Often we may send the surgeon an email the night before. If we don't hear a response, we'll speak to them the morning of. But let them know as well that, hey, this induction may take a little longer for these reasons so that they're not arms crossed, standing at the foot of their bed, tapping the foot, looking at you side-eyed. You told them ahead of time that this patient would be a challenge. And most surgeons respect being notified ahead of time because they're, they're caught up in what the procedure is. They're not thinking of what issues might come up for you. So the way to get around the landmine of being jumped and beat up on is to let everyone know ahead of time to the extent that you know, right? Sometimes patients blindside you and there are some challenges that you just could not have anticipated. But for those that we do anticipate, let everyone on the team know that this is what the deal is and this is how they can help. Third landmine that'll come up for you is not being offered leadership opportunities. So some of your colleagues may actually be offered opportunities. I don't anticipate being offered them And so I seek out the opportunities. I encourage you to seek out the opportunities and put your bid in the hat for those that interest you. Here's where mentorship plays a huge role. Many Black folks who practice within anesthesia report really being the only one that looks like them in the field at their hospital. And that can lead to difficulties with forming mentorships. In some cases, obviously, when we're trainees, you know, we're assigned a mentor. Whether or not that was a good fit, we may keep up with them, we might not. Many folks lament the fact that they don't come from a family of doctors. And so it's like, who do I lean on when I have these issues going on throughout the day? I strongly encourage you to join the Evelyn Henley Society. That's a subsection of the National Medical Association that is dedicated to anesthesia. Evelyn Henley was the first board-certified Black woman anesthesiologist in this country. Within this group are Black anesthesiologists, 
all over the country. And so for those of you who say, I did not grow up in a family of doctors, well, by joining this organization, you will have a family of doctors. For those of you who are practicing anesthesiologists who feel like you're alone, not connected, you are in circumstances that are hard and feel as if no one else has experienced those things, join this society. I will put the link in the show notes. You are not alone and what you are experiencing is not unique to you. We have all experienced some form of this. And to put it on a national scale, just recently on Good Morning America, October 24th, 2022, It featured the story of three Black physicians who have been pushed out of medicine due to racial discrimination. The landmines are real, y'all. They're out there and they're live. How do we navigate this and support one another? So the third, not being offered leadership opportunities. Joining groups like the Evelyn Henley Society, establishing mentorships can keep us appraised as to the opportunities as they come down the pike so that you know what to apply to, what to consider. We can't look for somebody to offer us these opportunities. We have to seek them for ourselves. Four, a landmine that comes up for us is evaluations that express things like you're difficult to work with, abrasive, unreasonable. I have received all of these as feedback. And if you have received these kinds of feedback, I want to applaud you. I want to congratulate you because you have entered into, my friends, the realm of independence the realm of courage. Fortune Magazine recently reported that women tend to receive feedback on their personality and not on their performance. Women were 11 times more likely to be reported as abrasive, seven times described as opinionated compared to men whereas men were more likely to be described as confident and ambitious. This hits very close to me because at my former organization, when I was received my review, everything looked good. There were no, nothing came up on my written evaluations, exceeded expectations down the line. However, when I sat down to speak with my division chief at the time, he had expressed that the nurses in the PACU had said I was abrasive. I asked for an example. Well, when they call you, you just ask for their reason for calling and then, and then you hang up. And I looked at him and I said, okay. Now to provide you some context, When we dropped the patients off in the PACU, because the PACU didn't have a designated uh, attending, the nurses would call the physician who dropped them off. 
and ask for permission for them to be discharged. Unfortunately, the timing of these calls would occur during the induction of my next patient. That did not render an opportunity for me to say, hey, how are you? How's your weekend? Apparently, that was the expectation for me to provide this kind of greeting and then ask them, what can I do for you? It's mind boggling. No, I will not have time to do that. Please speak your case. Whatever it is you need will do in the sake of patient care. And then I need to tend to who is sitting on my table right now. It is mind boggling the standards, how different they are from man to woman. With men, confident, ambitious for women, abrasive and hard to work with. It's not fair, but those are the facts. And if you get this label assigned to you, as much and as hard as it's going to be, try not to take it personally, but instead point to the growing body of evidence that demonstrates that this is gender discrimination and that this feedback is not actionable. Any feedback we receive should be that which will help us get better. Personality feedback isn't performance feedback. And I would push back on anyone who gives this kind of evaluation what action items will flow from it. The fifth way shadiness shows up is not being called doctor. You worked hard to receive that distinction and deserve to be called that wherever you choose to be called that, but particularly in the workplace when involving patient care. There's a poem that comes up for me when I hear stories of physicians being called by their first name. So far, I have only seen white males introduce themselves by their first name when it comes to families. I've never seen anyone else do that. And this poem is what perhaps could explain that phenomenon. It's called My First Name by Susan Harlan. No, you cannot call me by my first name. And yes, I know that a male professor told you that titles are silly because a certain genre of man is always dying to performatively divest himself of his easily won authority. Your distinctions, use your title, you earned it. Insist that you are called doctor by your patients and notify staff. It's fine if they don't want to refer to you as doctor when patient care is not involved, but when it is, insist that the distinction that you worked hard for is acknowledged. Because in this setting of corporatized medicine, where everyone is being labeled provider, I encourage you to rally against this. You are a physician. You have entered into six-figure debt, many of you, and decades of your life spent to this pursuit. Those are the five ways that shadiness will come up for you. 
Use your autonomy and express what it is that you want. Be proactive. Two, no grace for mistakes. Again, this is going to also require being proactive and notifying everyone on the team when you foresee there being concerns in your case. Three, not being offered leadership opportunities. Friends, you're going to look for those opportunities and then request them. Not looking for it to be placed on a silver platter. Four, criticisms on your quarterly evaluation, such as abrasive, hard to work with, unreasonable. Recognize that we're still in the male-dominated field and these personality feedbacks are going to show up. It is no, doesn't say anything about your performance or your patient care or anything that matters. It's just a way to place you in this in this box of what you are supposed to be, quote unquote, I actually celebrate and applaud and request that you continue to be courageous and fight and request performance evaluation, not personality evaluation. And fifth, not being called doctor. Insist that you are because that's what you are. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sivo Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something, something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.